Welcome to the Financial Dads Podcast with Paul Fagan and Paul Becker. This podcast is for all the moms and dads out there who struggle with life's topics, especially related to family and finances. Now here's my dad, Paul Fagan. Hey, Paul. How you doing? Hey, Paul. How you doing today? Uh, doing well. Fantastic. Um, I guess uh, since we chatted last, um, one of the things I've been focusing on is is home office cleanup. I don't know if you've ever had to go through that, but... Had a lot of paperwork sitting around. Um, still get a number of things that just come in through the mail, uh, statements and such. Um, I know at some point I probably will flip as much as I can to digital. Just haven't gotten to that point yet, so I'm suffering for it. Got a ton of different papers <laughs> floating around. So that was kind of my my cleanup. I had to sort everything out because I have to get ready for the tax season, right? So get my taxes done. Probably get it done next week, but uh, at this point, I'm just looking up at my my top of my filing cabinet. Everything's clear now. I have my tax folders already. Got all the rest of the paperwork that's really old put away. So that was that was good. I was glad to get that little thing done. Uh, Paul, what's happening with you? Ah, trying to stay out of trouble still here. You know, yeah, cleaning up my desk, my taxes. Uh, I do something lately. I've been doing something different. Depending on the temperature, depends on what room in the house I work in because my attic can be a little cold in the winter. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'll go down to the basement where it's cooler and it's obviously much more energy efficient. That way I don't have to cool or, or heat the attic or whatever. So I've been doing that, cleaning up paperwork for taxes, uh, you know, as you know, we bought a second house that we're looking at um, potentially moving to at some point, and that really kicked in gear of getting rid of stuff, getting rid of stuff. I think that in conjunction with the minimalist discussion we had uh, with Peter Atwater recently really helped me, like, all right, what do I need? I got to start getting rid of some stuff here. So that uh, that was pretty good. That's about it here, Paul. Yeah, cool. I mean, you won't have to worry about cold rooms anymore once you – Go to the uh, new destination, <laughs> which will be great. That's true. Want, that's true. You won't have to worry about those drafty attics. So that's cool. <laughs> that's cool. Um, today's podcast is with Tony Giancola. Uh, we will discuss wedding planning. But first, let's talk about some news we saw this past week. The first news story is from Nerd Wallet. And just looking it through, and I guess this is timely for today's topic. How much does the average wedding cost? Um and it's, I guess this is from two weeks ago. It said a popular wedding planning site found an average wedding cost in 2021 was 28000 Um, I always find these interesting, these articles, Paul, because um, I don't know. Like, it's so subjective. I, I don't know how they get these averages. I really think it depends on – it really is like the average across the country, right? Because there are parts of the U.S. where weddings are way more. There's parts of the country where weddings are way less. But it talks about – kind of, you know, the, the main tenants of, of a wedding, right? The attire, location and transport, uh, vendors and food and entertainment, uh, venues, all kinds of stuff, right? And I think they talk about, you know, some of the ways to lower the cost of a wedding is consider replacing pros with others, which, you know, I guess let's get into that conversation because I'm not sure if you want the cheapest photographer, if you want the cheapest hairstylist. I don't know if you want that. Um, Look for suburban venues it talks about, I guess, things that are not in major metropolitan areas. Um, of course, trim the guest list, which I guess is an interesting one. That could, that could, that could cause a lot of angst in families. Um, off-peak season, once again, that, that could really bite you, especially if off-peak means that there's a potential for worse weather. Um, so I think 
you know, they talk about comparing prices and negotiate and anticipate extra costs and, and adding it all up. Um, but we'll jump into that, you know, when we go into the podcast today. But, Paul, what was your initial take on this story? Yeah, very similar to yours, Paul, in that this is just an average. But the thing I liked about it is it gives you some sort of point of reference, a context, things that you may not even think about if you're just doing this, like favors and how much invitations can actually cost. So while it's not going to be everything and uh, each wedding is uh, special, of course, and unique, it, it gives you something to to start and and benchmark against, and you generally know your your local area. All right, do they cost more or not? And so, it, to me, it's just something that is at least a starting place, a little bit of a stakeholder that you have a reference. Very cool. Very cool. Yep. And and I think with that, we'll we'll go to the second story, right? Which was from uh, looks like it was from the Wall Street Journal, EV startup Rivian walks back price increase, apologizes to customer. Customers, I should say. Price rise on already ordered electric trucks and SUVs sent Rivian stock slotting this past week. I guess, Paul, I was looking through the story a little bit, and I guess it seems that the, they, they kind of got over their skis with the pricing, maybe a little too overconfident, and they took a hit on this. Um, Paul, what was your take on this story? So um, I have a good buddy of mine, a good friend of mine, Leon, who actually had one on order. And got the email saying, hey, we've raised our prices. He went into his configurator and saw, I think, his price went up um, twelve dollars to $20,000 for the same vehicle, which is just staggering. And, yes, supply, demand, costs have gone up. But that, that's a, just a staggering, staggering increase and, and really a miscalculation by the vendor. And at the time that happened, People were canceling in boatloads. Uh, a bunch of the different surveys were all coming in around the same number. About 70% of the people that were going to order were going to cancel their orders. Uh, my friend did not cancel his yet, and then a few days later, the company backtracked on it. But, ooh, that's, that's a lot of loss of goodwill there. You got a lot of people really excited for this vehicle, and then to do such a in price increase is staggering. And I know my buddy's out looking at other EVs and such right now. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see. You know, there's, there's only so much a company can, um, can take on burden financially as well as in the loyalty aspect of it. So we have to see how this plays out. It's a really exciting vehicle for people who are in the market. You know, it's a, one of the first true electric pickups that's out there. The Ford one's coming out soon as well. And I know we're going to do a whole other episode on the EVs, so I should probably stop right now, Paul, because otherwise I'll keep going. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. I, yeah, I guess, um, you know, in the end, we'll, let, we'll see what happens, and there'll probably be some good lessons learned uh, that that company is going to have to deal with in terms of dealing with their customers. Um, but with that, I think we'll, we'll jump into the podcast. We'd like to now welcome back to the podcast Tony Giancola. Tony is the branch manager at Go Mortgage and the co-owner of Remax Elite Realty in the greater Tampa Bay area in Florida. Um, we have had Tony on the show before to discuss real estate and, and to pick his brain on his expertise, really well, really good expertise on real estate. But today we're switching it up. Um, we're going to discuss wedding planning through the eyes of a dad. Tony, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it very much. Yeah, this is this is one of those things. I think we we all were married at one point, and and or we're all married, I should say, and we had to go through this whole 
planning process, right? Either directly or with the spouse, or maybe the spouse was driving. Um, so maybe what we'll do is just kind of give a little bit of our backgrounds in terms of wedding. And, and Tony, why don't you give us a little bit of background on your own wedding and, and maybe what your new experience is with, with your daughter when it comes to wedding planning. We'd love to hear what's going on. Well, my wife and I's wedding 23 years ago, that was a, that was a while back, and it was a small affair, but it was more of a party than, a, than anything else. So my memories of that night were quite nice. We got married looking uh, right over the uh, the golf uh, at a uh, beautiful outside area of a, of a uh, condo complex. Sunset was perfect, and we did our whole thing in the clubhouse, and it was just a uh, really, really cool, you know, low-key but very cool event. We we had a great time with it, actually. So it was a little it, – it's a little different than what my daughter's doing right now. Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, yeah, two different I, – I think I like our way better, actually, to be very honest with you. Yeah, and, and I think that's where, you know, I could tell you a little bit about my experience. Um, so we got married later. We got married in our 30s. Paul was at the wedding. Um, we looked around at many venues. Um, for us, it was all about convenience for the guests, if that made sense. We had a Saturday afternoon wedding. We, we, we had been to a lot of weddings at that point, and they were all beautiful. Uh, Paul's, I was at Paul's wedding, beautiful wedding. Um, I've been to a lot of them, but me and my wife made a conscious decision that we wanted something that, you know, we didn't have to have people drive, you know, all over the place to get to or, or fly somewhere to get to it. Um, we did it on a Saturday afternoon. We did it at a bed and breakfast in Connecticut and it, it was a great experience. I, admittedly, my wife did the heavy lift on a lot of it. And since it was later in life, we, we had thought that we would have and we'll talk about this a little bit in the podcast, like who pays and stuff like that. But at the time, we were completely – I was completely prepared to pay for the wedding ourselves. Um, that was kind of where I was at. You know, we were older. And when we went to go start the planning, her mother and, and her father were very adamant about paying for a good portion of it. So we're thankful and grateful that they were able to do that for us. And we really – my wife did a great job at keeping the pricing at bay. Um, you know, I don't think our our cost was nearly as high as others had had. Um, you know, we had our we had florists, we had a live band, which everyone loved. Um, the, the like I said, the venue was was very homey, uh, like an eighteen hundreds inn. Had a lot of good character, uh, but I remember that morning, Paul drove through the rain. It, 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 like I knew that something was going to happen, and we were the plan was to get married by the waterfall outside that didn't happen too much rain in the morning uh we got married in the parlor room the 1800s parlor room in front of this like seven or eight foot wide fireplace which was beautiful it just worked out well so i think for us uh we were happy with the way it came out and paul uh, let's i want to hear a little bit about your experience with the wedding because i was i attended it and it was awesome, but I don't. I wasn't part of the planning, obviously. So I'd love to hear a little bit about what your thoughts were with your wedding. So for for us, it was a little different. We were younger, Paul, as you remember, mm -hmm. right? We were only out of college, gosh, a couple of years when we got married, and um, it was a good size affair. Uh, my in laws, thankful and grateful as well, really took on the burden of of it. So that was awesome. And yeah, it was you know, obviously trying to watch the uh, the pricing for everything. I remember that, and I remember just being a whirlwind. I was kind of like, kind of you know, back there trying to say, okay, sounds good. And um, 
I guess the, the one of the biggest memories was my mouth hurt after the wedding from smiling so much for all the pictures. Mm. But it, it was a great time. However many years later it is now, was it uh, tw- almost 27 years now? So it, it's been a while. Yeah, that, that's cool. And I, I forgot we – so my I know my, my in-laws paid for a good portion, but we, we kicked in some stuff too. I think we paid for the videographer. We played for we paid for the photographer. Um, like I said, we 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 love the fact that they wanted to to pay uh, for the and they did for for a lot of it. They paid for the venue and all the major stuff. But it was cool that we were able to to also chip in and and kick in, and it worked out fine. And I think that's one of the first questions I want to ask you guys. And maybe Tony, this is more prevalent for you. You know, many years ago, the tradition was the bride pays, right? The bride's family pays, and I think. I think things have changed a little bit. I mean, I still was maybe, you know, my, my in-laws wanted to pick up some of that. So it was great. But what are you seeing today? Cause you're closest to it. I think Paul's right behind you with his two boys, you know, any, any, any day now, Paul might get the call saying, Hey dad, guess what? Uh, but you're right there, Tony, right on the front line. So what is, what is your experience with that in terms of what are you seeing or, you don't have to divulge yeah, no, it, but I'm just curious. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. it's an interesting thing because we're we're a really uh, interesting case because Sydney's 27. Uh, she's been with her fiance now for, I guess, four or five years. Like right mm-hmm. during college, um, they you know they were dating. They started living together. They bought a house together. So. They've been doing the whole thing, you know what I mean. So then, that was me too. So, I did the same yeah, exact so then, thing. <laughs> so then here comes the wedding, and you, you know, for a really long. Well, listen, for for a long time, Sydney told me that you know she didn't want to have the big affair. I mean, there's we got some family issues. Both her and you know her and my uh, her her mother and I don't really get along. Her her fiance and their families a little bit. Uh, not the friendliest. So she was always like, I don't want to have a, a big wedding. And then, you know, they get engaged and all of a sudden it's going to be this, this affair. And, y- you know, it started going and it, it was a sit down, like, what, what's the deal here? You know, what are we doing? So it wound up for us that uh, Michelle and I, um, we what we thought we were paying for half when Sydney presented it to us, she had done the research on the venues Although I, I, I use that term loosely. I think she had zeroed in on a venue um, and maybe looked at a couple just to appease maybe herself and, and me. Um, but yeah. she was pretty locked in as, as far as I could tell um, and presented us with the numbers. And, you know, we were going to pay half and her mom and, and her mom's husband were going to pay half. And then lo and behold, half wasn't really half because they're it's, it's winding up there kicking in almost as much as us to do some of the stuff they want to do. And and to me, honestly, it's absurd. So in our case, you know, um, it was kind of evenly split. And again, I think it's really unique, but it's probably more customary now, or it's probably more traditional now than not that, you know, these kids are living together first and things like that. So how does that really, what does that look like? You know, um, and then from my standpoint, it's like, well, you've been living, like, why are you doing all this? Like, it really, and certainly I want her to have her day, right? Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. it doesn't make sense to me, honestly. 
You know, I, I mean, the fact that they... You mean they, financial sense. Well, yeah, the that, you, you know, to go all out on this extravagance when you're already st- started the, 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 the life process, so to speak, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. but we did, so we agreed yeah. to pay that, and, you know, then I, then I, it's, I, it's just, it's shocking to me what the numbers wind up at. And, and when you said, when I heard you yeah. say, when I heard Paul, when I heard you say that the average was 28,000... The first thing that jumped to my mind is that plus 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 plus, yeah. because that yeah. fits in line. You know, I think the venue and the food portion for Sydney's, and she was planning on around 125 people, was right in that thirty thousand dollar mark. But like I said, that's really two thirds of the total the total cost, or a little less than two thirds of the to- total cost. Mm. So, wow, yeah, it is really crazy. I mean, in terms of, um, I think. What you know from from my vantage point, I know friends um, that have gone into debt for the wedding, right? They had to pay for it themselves. They went really deep in a big loan where that money could have been for a down payment on a home. They put it into the wedding. They they thought that potentially they'd get money back. That that doesn't work. You can't when <laughs> when you invite people to your wedding. That shouldn't be the expectation. Is that they're you know, I always hear this term covering their plate. Right. I don't think that's fair uh, because, you know, I think you get what you get and you don't get upset. I remember telling my kids that when they were three, <laughs> four. But re- the reality is, uh, you know, they, they really go in hock for a wedding, for a one-day event. Now, I think we all agree we want it to be a special day, but there's many ways to make it special without going into debt. Paul, I'd love to hear a little bit about your your, your comments on that. Uh I, I can't. I, I part of me can't really fathom going into debt like that for it. I mean, maybe there's some of it, but you know, the, the covering the plate. That's interesting. You do you do always hear that, and as a wedding guest, right? People are always trying to like, well, what's what's where are we at today for weddings? Right? What what is the customary amount? And people go through all these mental gymnastics to try and you know. Be cognizant, knowing, understanding the cost, and trying to help and try to cover as much as they can. People just don't know. And to me, it, it almost feels like, I think I had it in our notes, Paul, it almost feels like the salary discussion, right? Everyone has a salary. They're all making money. But no one really talks about how much. I feel like that's the same thing with the wedding. No one really wants to say what what it really costs for probably a couple of reasons. One, they don't want to feel like maybe they're being uh, maybe cheap about it or over-extravagant. And they just want it to be about the day and making it the special day. And, and cost doesn't matter. Well, I think the three of us all know cost matters a lot here. So it, yeah. it's it's tough. I, I I I don't envy your position right now, Tony. Yeah, I can't <laughs> see you know going to that point about cost that you know covering the cost of the plate. I mean, I there's no way. I mean, there. I like right. when you. I mean, <laughs> yeah. when you look at it. I mean, and you just if you step back from a very, I, I would say non-emotional, rational point of view. You know, I mean, if you're looking at at, at her sort of where she's at right i mean it's somewhere between four and five like obviously when you're packaging the whole thing and you're saying hey here's my total costs here's how many people that are coming to the wedding you know you're talking between four and five hundred dollars a person 
right? Yeah, I was just I doing mean, the math yeah. based on the if, things you were throwing somewhere out. Somewhere in there, math. I mean, you you yeah. can't get that back. Nor nor and, and if you go in expecting to, I I don't think that's reasonable at all. I mean, because you you, you know you don't you're inviting every level of you know you got different friends, different age groups, different you, you know economics. I mean, you you're you're really just. To me, the thought should be when you're inviting them that you're there to, for them to share Enjoy. the day with you, period, right? Whatever else comes out of it, comes out of it. But if, if you're trying to factor in that as part of the budget, that's a pretty scary thought. Yeah, and, and I think you hit something, Tony, that I wanted to kind of jump into, and that's the destination weddings. I know I've been invited to a few over my life. I, I, never, I never attended them. But I always kind of, you know, because they were re- like one was one was in Europe. And, and I don't know if I regret not going because I, I don't know. I, I, I Maybe a little part of me regrets not going. But when you start layering on the cost of getting to a place and paying for staying at a place and then getting home plus the gift, like I really do think that, you know, destination weddings really can tack on extra money for the guests, right? And I'd love to hear your guys' opinions on, on destination weddings versus, you know, kind of – local wedding but for some people it may be a destination wedding no matter what you do right if you have relatives out of state so I, maybe that's a little bit hard to kind of work through but i wonder what you guys are thinking about when it comes to destination weddings well i'll you know look here's so this conversation with my daughter was really you know it's a fine line You're, you you, you want to be supportive but so for us i have family in philadelphia uh, her fiance, Josh has family in Wisconsin. So regardless of where they had it, people were going to have to fly in. Right. Yeah. It's a destination. Right. So then, you know, like to me, and maybe I'm too pragmatic, but I think, well, let's try and make it as convenient as you can for those people that aren't going to be here. Cause it's, you know, it's a pretty good percentage of the invite, the invite list. Right. But then she picks this venue in an area called Claremont, Florida, which is, you know, on the outskirts of Orlando, right? So now you've got, I I can use my own family as an example. They're trying to figure out, do they fly into Tampa? Do they fly into Orlando? You got to layer the cost of hotels in there, which, you know, as you you talked about the car thing, but everything's up. We're in season. I mean, the, the wedding's April 8th. I mean, we're in season. So there's you know, a cheap hotel room, and we're talking about motel by the road, is 85 to $115 a night. So it's it's a completely different layer. I, I wish, me personally, it would have been someplace more local. And again, I, I don't want a bride to be or a family out there to think I, I, I don't want it to be a great day for them. But I think there should be more of a pragmatic approach to it to factor those things in. That's the way, that's the conversation I, I, I would would have liked to have had, and it's sunk in a bit for me. Mm. So yeah. I, I agree with you wholeheartedly on that. I'm just thinking about with COVID and how everything happened and people moved all over the country, right? So if you take a, think about it, I think that destination wedding that you're talking about, Paul, is going to be the norm now because everyone's going to be going somewhere because so many people moved. It used to be people wouldn't move more than 20 miles from their home. Now people just, they're packing up, they're done, they're going all over the place. So I, I think it's going to be um, I think it's going to be common. 
I don't know, I just thought of a crazy idea. Maybe you could do a package deal with an airline saying, hey, I got uh, 30 people that are going to book tickets. They need a flight. Can we get group rates from these different places? I don't know. I just made it up. Maybe someone can try that and let us know if it works. I know they do that with hotels. Uh, my buddy got married a couple of years ago. Beautiful wedding, local wedding to my town um, or to the area. You know, all his, all his folks, I think there was a, a handful of people that came from the Maryland area, but everyone was pretty much local. Um, they had a great venue. Uh, they did it at the church. They did the limos, all those kind of things. I remember with my wife when we were planning this, we even were thinking about those things. Like we didn't, we didn't have a limousine. We didn't need any car service because we got married at the bed and breakfast. Me and my wife each drove. I remember to the place, right? And you know, at the end of the day, we stayed overnight. But you know, we got my. I think my brother took my car back home, or I forget how it all kind of worked out, but. Um, we definitely made some economical choices to, to keep the costs low. And we were already in our condo. Like I said, we were established. So I think it was something where we were really kind of looking through those different pieces. And, and, and the budget for us was key. And maybe that's where a, a kind of a good lead into how does one establish the wedding budget or do you even budget? Now, you know, Tony, one of the things that I know a friend of the family did, um, he, told his, his sons were getting married. And, and even though, you know, and once again, this whole culture has changed, right? Where I think both parents are splitting the money uh, typically. Um, he told each one of the boys, here is a set amount that you get and work to that number. And it was a generous number, but it was capped to say, you got to work within this constraint, right? And I'm wondering if from your vantage point, did you guys talk about budgets or, or you know, did, did any of those thoughts ever come into your mind in terms of, of, of trying to put a cap on, on things, well, which I is, think, I don't I necessarily think, think is a bad thing, but it could be, right? Yeah, I, I think, depending on who's looking at it. I, I think that's a, I, I think that should be a rule <laughs> if you could say that, right? Um, I think we were pretty, we, we, I think I was pretty fortunate in the way that Sydney actually handled it because the way it went, she looked at, like, I, I didn't have, we didn't have any point of reference, you know? And even now, I mean, everything is like, I, I don't have any point of reference on this. Um, but they went and looked at a couple venues. And so they, they came with a budget, you know, that look, this is what we think it's going to cost. This is where we want it to be. And, I didn't think it was unreasonable for what they were trying to do. But again, the shocker for me, if I can say, was that the number they gave us that we're splitting, basically, we, you know, uh, myself and our mother, uh, our families, the, the number they gave us wasn't the total number. Right. Mm. So we're, I'm looking at a number. So now when I and then, you know, I always knew that the, the, the kids were going to have to kick in some. You know, but when I found out what they're kicking in, I was floored. I mm. was really floored yeah. by it, yeah. right? So to me, I think, I, I do, I think, and it's unfortunate because you don't, nobody's going to like to hear this, but I almost think you have to handle it like a business transaction. I think you do got to set out there and start with, okay, what's the number of people, you know, what's the budget we want to try and work from? And then you sort of, you should probably sort of go from there. And that's not to say that you're not going to wiggle up a little bit as you get into the devil and the details and things like that. But to go in blind and then to get the plus, plus, pluses on there, um, 
they were fortunate that they, you know, that they had some savings and they were able, they're able to do it. But if they didn't, to to your point, Paul, they're going into debt to do it. And that, mm-hmm. I don't know, I, it, to me, that doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, that just feels so wrong to me. Um, I, I'd be better off cutting it back, in my opinion. But, but again, it's also the special day, right? Uh, you know, it, it's tough. There's so much emotion about it. That probably just makes it so much harder, too, I would well, imagine. Well, yeah, and Tony, you see that with real estate. People get emotional over the purchase, right? They see a home they really love, right, and they have to have it, and and you probably see people going over their skis to get it. Yeah, I mean, and look. It, there's it, a problem. It, it, it's, it's sort of an analogy. I'm not sure. No, but it, I'm it's guessing true. that happens with real estate, too. It's true, and it's a conversation we have with them in the real estate transaction. Unfortunately, being on the mortgage side of it, we look at that and we can see where they are like debt to income percentage and say, okay, this is where you are and look at how old they are and is your income going to go up? So there's some really interesting conversations you can have about an asset that is most, well, over historically is going to appreciate, regardless it's going to appreciate versus, and I think one of you mentioned it early on, this is a one day event. And I sit here mm. and I look at it and go, you know what, and I don't know, maybe I'm a fatalist, but you sit there and go, do you wind up, you put all this emphasis onto this one day and all this energy and all this financials onto this one day, and is there a letdown afterwards, right? I mean, is there some kind of letdown that comes about it? And again, you want them to have the day, but there's certainly, from my standpoint, concerns about the energy and the finances that go into it and how it goes. I mean, it, it just, it, it, because it's not a business transaction, it's not an appreciating asset, right? It's this huge one day event that's going to be special. It's going to be memorable and you know, you're going to have it for the rest of your life. Um, but, and, and boy, having daughters and I have daughters, right? It, this is a brutal conversation with a daughter. Yeah, I have mine. I have, and she she's eleven, and I could already foresee. The Start budgeting now. <laughs> Start your budget now is what I'm hearing, Paul. Well, we talked about that. I had we had done a podcast, uh, Tony, a, a while ago, and it was raising daughters, right? Because you have not only to have to pay for college, right, or you know help with college, depending on your financial situation, but this whole wedding thing, right? Because I still think there are a number of people out there who believe that the the bride's parents have to pay for it. I still think it's anecdotal because I just think it is what it is. You know, some, some bride's parents, you know, can only pay so much. And, and I'm sure there's all kinds of stories where they're mortgaging houses to pay for weddings. Right. And, and now the, the parents now have debt when they go home from that wedding day that they didn't have before. Right. I could, I could see that happening. Um, I'm going to switch topics a little bit and maybe just kind of ask about some of the big ticket items. Were there any big ticket items, Tony, that, that you kind of, you know, looked at and said, wow, that's big. And, every and, and one were, you, of them. were you able, every one of them. I mean, okay. look, I mean, you know, look, you start with the venue and that's, that's massive, right? So you see this big number for the venue and the food and, and all that. And you think that's it, Right. But then I hear about the cost that she paid for her dress. I hear about what she's spending on flowers. I hear about what the videographer's charging and what the photographer's charging, right? And I know she's done her due diligence and she's very satisfied with her thoughts. 
but I, I, I can't believe the numbers on their self. And, and it makes me think that there's a level of, for lack of a better way of putting it, taking advantage of the situation, right? Mm-hmm. Because you could put a premium on this thing because of the emotional part of making the decision. And, and frankly, wanting the day to be perfect, right? If you're going to start investing this kind of revenue into an event, I don't care what the event is, you want it to be perfect. So then when you look at these other things that have to go into it, they can put a premium on them because you're going to want the best of the best that you can afford. And they're certainly, in my opinion, they're, they're leveling up what they're charging to try and ensure that it's that perfect day. So I, I was utterly shocked. And even, and I think I heard one of you mention like the, the cost of the, the, the uh, invitations. So like as a personal side, I saw the, I saw the invitations and like before she decided on them and I was like, wow, they're pretty, but they, they were relative, they're very nice, but relatively basic, you know, and the way she mm-hmm. went about it. Um, and even like the RSVP was RSVP via wet. Right. And I said, I kind of had a conversation with her about it. And she's like, look, I couldn't see spending $30 a piece on invitations that people were going to throw away. So she was at Mm. least pragmatic enough to say, I'd rather spend money on the photographer versus an invitation that's probably going to wind up in Paul's trash can. Right. Because I didn't get it yet. Right. I know. But I mean, you know what I mean? Like, that's what's going to happen. I mean, (laughs) You get to save the date, but it's a big deal for us. It's not a big deal. You know, it's nice to be invited, but it's not a big deal. That, that Nobody's saving that as a keepsake. So at least she was, she had enough foresight and wherewithal to say, hey, look, I'm going to be, I'm going to use my head here and, and budget this appropriately. So she did take some pragmatic approach, and she is trying to stay within a budget on stuff. I know she is, but I was shocked. I was just shocked. Mm. I mean, and, and you just leveled up all those things, like, invitations photographer videographer now you got to have a wedding planner that goes along that the the venue recommends like a series of wedding planners because they're going to help you not make any mistakes and i'm like wow really that's my that's my 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 gut is like wow yeah things have changed a bit i don't remember a wedding planner i remember the movie the wedding planner uh the wedding Well, father the the bride i think yeah father father the bride with the wedding planner that that's uh that that very funny character. You just hope uh, the day doesn't the actually go name. like that, though, right? Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> when you're parking your own cars. Um, yeah, I, I've seen, you know, I've seen a lot of different things going to weddings, right? And and I remember we're going to one wedding, and I know the couple spent a lot of money on the Venetian Hour. That's a popular add-on, right, that the venues will ask, right? So at the end of everything – you have like this Phoenician hour. And then I remember being there and people were leaving before the Phoenician hour came out. So all this food came out and people had already left, right? Because it came out too late, right? And and this goes back, Tony, to what you're saying is you want it to be perfect, but then you could start to see it unravel, right? And I've seen other people, I've been to Sunday night weddings, which, which, which could be, which are beautiful, but could be tough, for people that have to work on Monday or so there's all these little nuances that you have to look out for when you're planning, because 
you think you're doing it one way, and 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 this is maybe the converse, and I just thought about that. You you might think you're saving money, but are you really saving money by doing certain things? I don't know, you know, and and that's what you know. Like I said, for us, it was a Saturday afternoon wedding, which was cheaper than the Saturday night wedding, but we preferred that. We wanted that. We wanted people to leave and not be dead tired on the way home. That was just us. And and every other wedding is beautiful and perfect and all these things. But it was it was just something we thought of. I'm curious what your opinion is on on those types of things where you go to save money, but maybe it's not such a cost save. Well, again, yes. So like you said, like they picked a fraud. They, she wanted this venue, right? So, mm-hmm. um, and it's it's beautiful. I mean, there's no doubt about it. It's a beautiful venue. Um, but she went with a Friday night because it was less expensive on a Friday night than it would be a Saturday. So she's making that decision for the financial part of it. But then, and I don't, I I couldn't tell you that she really thought about it, but if we started to see some of the answers on some of the invites, you saw that, you know, that became an issue for people. A Friday night was more difficult for them. Uh, A Friday night near Orlando is really difficult for people because of the added cost there, right? Um, Mm -hmm. So then we're looking at, we've got family flying into from Philadelphia, right? They're going to come here to Dunedin first and then go over to Orlando. My wife is trying to sort out how do we get them from their hotels to the venue and then back to their hotels? Because certainly, you know, I am sure there's going to be several, you know, people drinking, you know, we don't want them getting in their cars and driving. So we're trying to add that thing onto the, into the thing. Um, my Sydney was great. I mean, uh, she, her twin, uh, my twins, Anthony and Amelia are both in the wedding party. Right. So now you got the cost of their dress and their suit along with being in it. And Oh, by the way, they got to be over in Orlando. So I'm going to refer to it as Orlando because it's right outside of Orlando. So it's easy to understand. Mm -hmm. They got to be over there two nights early because you know thursday is the rehearsal so now the friday night wedding the rehearsals on thursday morning because there's an event mm-hmm. there thursday afternoon right so they got to be there mm-hmm. wednesday night because the whole day thursday's mapped out right so you got these really crazy variables in it and oh by the way how about this one the venue won't give you your they, they tell you that the rehearsal is going to be somewhere between 9 a.m. and noon, but they will not give you a time until you're 30 days out from the till the thing because they don't know what else they got going on. So you have to plan right now. So we've got hotel rooms over in the Orlando area from Wednesday night to uh, Saturday morning. That, that's what we got to do. So I think, I don't know how you think all this thing through. Now, when my 19-year-old daughter goes to get married or my son goes to get married, Sure, we're going to have a couple little checkpoints that we can reflect back on and maybe folks listening and you guys can reflect back on some of these things and say, yeah, it makes sense. But I don't really know how you think of everything that becomes this domino because every decision impacts another decision. And I would say try and make it easy for everybody. You know, I think you can have a beautiful event and make it easy for everybody. That that would be... And maybe take some of the stressors off in the long run. Totally agree. So, so Paul, um, putting a, like a work hat on here, a business hat on, it sounds like a waterfall project plan with costs with costs on. Yeah, that's what people do, right? The templates are out there. People are putting those together. They put together the 
the dates, the times. I, I, I think when you were talking about that, Tony, I think of the lowest common denominator in terms of I try to think of people attending the event, the event who, you know, that they have to work like they can't just take days off. Maybe days are limited. Right. So I'm, I, I think and, and we do this anecdotally even I do that when I'm planning dinners like for you know for you know buddies from you know Paul we've talked about dinners from college and we talk about you know I have friends that at old jobs and I always try to pick places that um like a burger joint right just something like where everyone could go no one has to worry about any of the because it's 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 just because I want to see the people that was the other thing with the wedding I think that's what gets really interesting everyone that we invited to our wedding, we wanted them to be there. We didn't want any any kind of thought of inconvenience. Everyone was very thoughtfully invited, if that makes sense. Like we we were very very deliberate in all the invites to make sure we're inviting the people we want because we really want people there that we wanted the people there that we want to be there. We we just don't want to invite for the sake because I always hear these. You'll see them on on these romantic comedy movies and stuff like that. They got, you know, the, the wedding list goes to 400 because you got to invite so-and-so's so-and-so's cousin <laughs> because otherwise so-and-so is going to be upset. And, and I think we tried to push that aside and just said, we just want to invite the people that uh, I want to invite. And maybe that's what I'll, I'll kind of ask next is the guest list, right? It could go 50 people. It could be 250 people. Like, what are your thoughts, both of you guys, when it comes to like the guest list, right? Because every incremental body you add is more spend, right? Um, and and yeah. some, a lot of so, those costs are variable, right? Some and are fixed. Some people, yeah, and some of those people you never even see again, right? Your, your aunt, to your point, Paul, right? Your mother's <clears throat> brother's cousin's aunt or her, like, I never saw the people again. Or we hadn't seen them in 20 years. Now all of a sudden they're at the wedding. And who's that? I don't remember. Like, it, it gets out of hand. It really does. So, uh, actually, I, I'm sorry, Tony, before, before you answer yourself on that one, I, I want to go back to the budget for a minute. Like, so, Paul's daughter is, you know, younger, right? You know, 11. Yes. 11. I, I, okay. How much, when do you start budgeting, right? Maybe I should start budgeting for my kids now, too. I mean, do you, do you start putting away money now, knowing that this big thing's going to hit? Because it sounds like it, it was you know, a good maybe 30%, 40% more than you even originally thought. So going to that, yeah, it's, it's interesting because, again, so Sydney's sister, Amelia, she's 19, you know, and she 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 definitely wants to have her day. You could tell. I mean, it's funny. Um, I, I can't even imagine what that budget's going to be, but I think you have to, you know, I, you, I, I think you got to be thinking it's if you're having a – traditional wedding right i can't believe you're getting away for less than all in right so this isn't the venue we're talking about all those incidentals i find it hard to believe you're getting away at a really budget number of less than 250 dollars a person and you you can and you're probably if you're going to have a a really sort of traditional big affair it's gonna it's coming in somewhere around four or five hundred dollars a person right that that's what you're looking at so then you start, so to your point, Paul, you start looking at now, well, how many people do I think I'm going to invite? Or you start thinking about now, what's the limit based on those numbers, right? Um, and another perspective on that that I think ties into it. So my brother, his his daughter got married a couple of years back and we went up to that. And I think, 
So Sydney's wedding list now is coming in at around 120, 125 people, right? Okay. I think my brother's was somewhere in the 225 to 250. And this was a big to-do up in Philadelphia, right? So a couple things that stood out. It was a beautiful event, beautiful event. But you would think, and I would think, that you would want it to be the people that you want there, that you want to share that day with, and you want to be able to touch them all. You want to be able to experience them all with it. And I have to tell you, with 225 people, they weren't able to do that. They had a beautiful event, but they certainly didn't touch everybody at every table. And the other thing was, they had a hard time serving the food at the venue. It was weird, like, you know, the, getting that around. So these are things as you start to build out that guest list that I think you want to think about logistics, right? Both from the personal standpoint and from the execution standpoint at the event, right? So I think that 100 to 125 number, although it may sound quaint in the grand scheme of things, almost becomes... A, affordable, right, if you plan for it ahead of time. And logistically, it becomes more manageable day of the event as far as sort of the reception goes. Because when you get much bigger, you know, then you get those complications, right? Um, and then when you look at the guest list, like, you know, the, the hard part, you, you know, like to, to Paul's point, you know, you see people like when we presented our list, it's family, it's our closest friends, you know, because we wanted to keep the number reasonable. Um, and then you see the people can't, they, they can't come, you know, and it's, it's disappointing, but you also understand, you know, one of my best, my best buddies that I spent a lot of time with, you know, he, I think he felt bad RSVP and no, that I had to text him and be like, Hey Gary, I need you to RSVP on this thing. You know, they got to send a list in and had to reassure him that I understood that if he couldn't come as much as I wanted him there, that I understood, you know, and he finally RSVP'd with an apology and stuff like that. But I think those are the things you really got to think of. Uh, I, I love the way you, uh, you put that together. You want to be able to, to touch everybody and talk to them. Right. I, I think that's, that's such a great way to think about how to potentially narrow your list. So, so Tony, while you were talking, I, I did one of my things, right? I did some math on that. 125 people, you spent three minutes with each person, right? That'll take you 6.25 hours to spend that amount of time with everybody. Just just, just three minutes. That's it. So um, I, I love the way you, you did that because I, I think that's uh, it's almost like a different type of budget. You have the dollar budget, and then you have the time budget. And... Yes, it's special to you, and you want to share it with those special people. As Paul said, he the people he wanted there, the people he really wanted there. And I remember his wedding to this day, right? I was still worried about what our roommates were going to do to my car again, but that's besides the point. <laughs> they trashed my car for, for another podcast. <laughs> All in good fun. <laughs> All in good fun, but they trashed my car for my wedding. And um, but so yeah, the dollar budget and, and maybe the, the time budget is another way to help look at that. Because what's the point of coming if you can't even say hello to the people that you really want there? I don't know. That's your words. I'm changing it on you, of course. But No, it was neat. an experience that I lived in two ways. And, again, I mean, it, my, my, my niece's wedding was absolutely beautiful. You know, uh, it had all the – it literally had all the bells and whistles that one would want. It was a big affair. Um, 
but it was a big affair. And to that end, I mean, it was a different kind of thing, you know, the mingling and you could see the families, you know, and things like that. And, and listen, I listened to my brother afterwards say the same thing. So this isn't just my words. It was an observation. And I, I heard his words. I almost think you got to sit back and somehow like, when do you have that conversation with your daughter or when they're in a relationship or whatever, right? Like to define what they really want that day to look like outside of the fairy tale. Right. Because that's yeah. what you wind up as you get into the planning phase. It appears to me you're planning the fairy tale. So, again, somebody's probably going to want to take shots through the podcast for me saying that. But, you know, I mean, that's that's kind of like reality, simplified way of looking at it, you know. So define what you really want your wedding day to look like. Right. As far as the interaction with the people before you get involved in the fairy tale part, because I think it impacts it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think with that, we, we've talked a lot. And I think maybe we go into kind of the recap where we each kind of give our own words of wisdom to people out there when they're thinking about weddings. I jotted some stuff down and thank you guys for kind of pointing some of these things out. I think for me, you know, just kind of in no, you know, no particular order is is have a budget. I know it's hard to put a, a, a budget around love and the day, but you really have to put the budget out there and know your numbers, right? Know the numbers. I would say the second thing that we did was shop it around, right? So you're shopping for pricing, but you're also shopping for referrals. You're also shopping to make sure you're getting the right people. You don't necessarily want the cheapest photographer there who forgets to put a, a digital chip in the camera, right, to take the pictures. Right? You don't know, right? That happens, right? Um, you know, you so you got to balance getting kind of the super cheap versus you know getting the right price. Um, I don't know about the negotiate. Uh, I'm not great at doing that for those types of things for for this type of thing because i think it is tough to kind of jump in there and then i think for me is how you know what you said tony have that conversation with your child and really sort this out ha kind of have a heart to heart it's sort of like college right like it's sort of that college conversation where this is the pro you know this is this is what you we've saved for you this is the schools you've gotten into and this is the reality and let's really dig into this and have that conversation. Um, same thing for weddings. I think it would go for weddings as well. So, so maybe Paul, I'll let you go next. We'll give Tony the last word as our guest. Sure. Uh, Paul, I loved your comment there about the college, uh, having that sit down discussion. It, it's a tough discussion, right? I would imagine it's probably even tougher than the college discussion because, but I love him. He loves me, whatever it might be. And you talk about emotional, uh, this, this, I don't know if it gets much more emotional and, and I love the way that Tony said about the time, because I, I, I think that's another way to show how big is the wedding and how much time you actually spend with people. And that's a separate sort of budget that could help you maximize the enjoyment of the wedding and by virtue, potentially the finances as well. But uh, I'll try not to say that too much. <laughs> <laughs> so. So, Tony, we'll let you have the last word. Oh, that's scary. Yeah, I mean, listen, the college conversations, it, it's so similar. And, and actually, uh, Paul and I had a conversation about that earlier in the week. And it's still it's it, it's a it's a really interesting topic as far as I'm concerned, the whole college thing in that budget. Um, but I, I think to me, uh, the lessons I've learned with this is really trying to get in front of it before it's time to talk about it, you know, so understanding that, hey, if my daughter, if my son's in a relationship and it's starting to get towards this is the one, maybe, that, you know, you have that conversation about these things. Because I just don't think 
it, it's almost unreasonable to think that you're going to have that conversation once the ball gets rolling, right? And, you know, I, I think that it's emotionally charged. So to be able to have a plan and, and have that discussion before the emotions explode, I think that's that's where where I'd love to do it. I, like, again, I think in fairness, I was a little bit surprised by the fact that Sydney and Josh decided to have a big wedding. You know, and I think 125 people is a big wedding for me. So if you're talking about having a wedding bigger than that, it, it's it's large to me. I think 125 for me is a pretty nice sized wedding it, it, considering the things we talked about. But I was surprised by the fact that she wanted to do this based on every conversation I had had with her or any comment she had made. So then to get into it, there wasn't time. And again, they were living on their own already. So maybe they were having that conversation. It wasn't. I think critically, this might, we didn't even talk about this, having a conversation about this with your wife before you go anywhere else so that you two are on the same page. Because, listen, we're three guys here sitting here talking. I'm going to find out my wife's in the next room. She's heard the whole conversation. I have no idea what that's going to be like, right? Um, but, but you told me you and her are always on the same page, we, Well, we are. But, again, you know, this is an emotionally charged topic. I'll be really curious what she thinks because my wife's pragmatic, though. I mean, she's going to look at it and be like, you know, I can see her looking at my daughter and me and going, Amelia, are you out of your mind? You, you know, like that's that's re- – and then my daughter and Amelia cry for 10 days and, you know, we'll – We'll give in to her. So, I mean, that's the only thing I don't know. But getting in front of it beforehand. Very cool. Very cool. Well, I hope you're not in trouble. <laughs> we really, I doubt it. We really hope you're not in trouble with this. And we really hope – I really personally hope the wedding goes phenomenally well, right? I think yes. at the end of the day, you know, you, you get through the day. You go to – you the day happens. I hope it's beautiful, and I hope it all works itself out the way – that we always wanted to. So good luck with that, Tony. Thanks for doing the podcast. It, guys. Today. We really appreciate it. So um, I think with that, well, Paul and Tony, I thoroughly enjoyed our discussion today and I'm personally looking forward to the next one. Thanks everyone for downloading our podcast. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at financialdads at gmail.com or check us out on Facebook. Just go to financialdads.com. So with that, this is Paul and Paul reminding you managing finances can be stressful. But that's why the Financial Dads are here to help you plan for success. Have a good one, everybody. Be well, and thank you.